I'm Tommy Beardmore. I'm Adam DiCarlo. And welcome to Before the Break, a podcast for actors by actors. Brought to you by Book It. Um, all right, Adam, how are you? I'm good. My busy, sweet busy. boy. Yeah, busy, busy. Festival circuit's going well. Yeah, very busy. It's. I was just saying to Patrick, it's sort of hard keeping up with all of the emails and like what festival has what deliverables. It must just, be hard. It must be really hard and really awful. Yeah, that was his exact. The- <laughs> that was his exact response. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you ungrateful bastard. It's awesome. I love seeing it. For those those, uh, listening, Skeletons is out starring Robin, Laura Taylor, and myself, and it's cleaning up the festival circuit. Where are we next? I'm off to Charlotte in a week. Gorgeous. um, To go to Charlotte Film Festival. Yeah. And then after that, we play in Orlando and then New York City and then Yonkers, just right outside of New York City. That's great. Little tour. Yeah. Yeah, it's going well. I'm excited. Awesome. 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 Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Um, we have a wonderful guest. You've seen her as the recurring Dr. Singh on NBC's Chicago Med. Sonia Patel on the upcoming Netflix show, The Lincoln Lawyer, along with appearances on Empire, Chicago Fire, CSI Miami. She's an accomplished actress and writer and dancer. Please welcome the wonderful Pooja Mohindra. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me here today. Welcome, Welcome to the, the show. show. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you. This is so awesome. Pooji, you're you're in Chicago, yeah? I am in Chicago, yeah. Lovely. And how long have you been in Chicago? I've been in Chicago, I would say, for the past six, seven years. Yeah. All right. And where were you born originally? Where are you I from? Was born in Chicago, yeah. But I had actually moved from LA to Chicago. So I kind of uh we did reverse moves because I just learned that you recently moved to LA. So And that's where I probably got the you're in LA right info. <laughs> so you came from LA, you went to Chicago. Yeah, and I spent some time in New York too, which I know you spend time in. So now How about that? What city do we need to hit that we haven't hit? I mean, yeah, let's go to Atlanta, you and me. Done. New Orleans, New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amen. Orleans. All right. So so your your trajectory began in Chicago, but you had moved to LA at, at what age? I moved about, I would say, 15, maybe 15 years ago, 10, 12 years, 15, I think. Yeah, it was a while ago because I've been here about six or seven and I was there about six or seven. Okay, gotcha. And where did things start for you acting wise? Did you start it in Chicago? Did you start it in L.A.? No, I didn't start in um, Chicago. I, I, I mean, I did start acting in in Chicago growing up. I was acting in high school and oh. think, um what I experienced is I just didn't really see people that look like me on TV. So it did not occur to me to, this is something you can do professionally. You know, that, it, that really happened um, more when I went to college. I went to Northwestern and that is where um, I went to college to study writing. And I noticed that, you know, or I got familiar and exposed um, because Northwestern is a very big film, TV and theater program. I met a lot of people that were studying theater and I didn't even know that was something you got, you could actually study. Um, what I, were your orig- what were you originally planning to do? It was writing. That was your, yeah, I wanted to, be, that was what um, you, I wanted to be a, a writer. I wanted to be a professional writer and um, I wanted in to what, uh, in what area? Journalism. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I think now what I realize is it's, I wanted to be a writer and a dancer and I couldn't do the, I couldn't, uh, progress in the kind of style of dance I was doing because I was doing Indian classical dance. And so I kind of got to a place where I'm like, where, what, I didn't know how to take that into the world and do that as a job. How to um, monetize that. You know, people are doing it now. Like with, the internet, <laughs> with, with YouTube, there's like so many people doing exactly what I wanted to do. Um, so I think- For real? That, yeah. Like On YouTube? There's a lot of people teaching Indian classical dance um, via Zoom now and um, via YouTube. Oh my God. There's so many people that I love and I follow their work, but I, so I was um, at Northwestern to study journalism. And I think what I learned now that I've gone through this trajectory is that it's all about story. Whether you look at dance, writing, acting, um, 
it's all the same thing, directing, it's all bringing a story to life. So I feel it is a natural organic conclusion that I got in acting, but it really helped to be around, to see people that were doing it. When you see people doing the thing you want to do, you feel empowered. So that's your podcast is so empowering to people because they hear from people that are doing it and they start to understand that this is a reality that they can create in their life. Yeah, when it comes naturally to a human being that the word no, you can't do it just is the first, it's the default. And then when we see it, and usually it's in high school or when you're a kid or you go to your first big city in a performance or maybe a a touring company comes through and your, your school gets to see, you know, arsenic and old lace on tour or some stupid, whatever. It's always the same feeling. We see something, we want it so bad, and that's the beginning of the seed being planted. Not just um, what I want to do, but that it's possible. You're seeing it personified, right? And so for you, especially being a woman, especially with your ethnic background, growing up, it must have been like, oh, well, this definitely is going to be difficult, or this this is totally out of the cards for me, where everyone feels this way. But then again, you've got someone who's not resented. How did you um, battle with the inner naysay? I think that what happens is when you don't see people look like you. I don't, um, I don't, I'm not a big like diversity person. I'm more of a unity person. Like I really want us to arrive to a place where we all see the oneness in all of us and see the soul as opposed to, um, because sometimes diversity can turn into um, divisive conversations is how sometimes I observe. Um, And I think that what we're all trying to work through, work toward with diversity is actually unity and inclusion. And I think what I feel is that when you don't see people that look like you do the thing that, um, we're talking about either that you love to do, you just don't realize it's possible. Like, it's not that I ever thought it was going to be difficult. I just, it legitimately never occurred to me that I could, would act like I didn't even get to the place of saying this would be difficult. It just, thank God, you know, the universe always conspires for your highest good and um, puts you where you're meant to be. So thank God I landed at Northwestern because that is where I was like, oh, you could do this as a job. I didn't know that. Like you can train to do this. And so I feel grateful for that experience. But I don't think I ever got to a place where I thought it would be difficult because had I thought it would be difficult, I wouldn't have done it. (laughs) I learned that in the doing of it. I just got to oh, you can do this. Like people are doing this. And so I'm going to, I'm going to try this too. So that's all, that was more my path. And how, did, how was Northwestern in terms of the acting program and what you were experiencing? Some people who find success later, say in their twenties and thirties, um, I found it interesting. Some of the most successful actors actually don't excel in college at all. They're the people that might not get the lead roles. They're the people that might not get into the performances. Um, I don't know why that is. I'm sure there's a reason I have an idea, but did you um, experience that or did you kind of hit the ground running? Oh God, I think I was opposite because I was a little more of a left brain person thinking that two plus two equals four. So it's like, if I work hard enough, I'll be able to see the outcome and results that I want. And that's not how this work works. So I think I had to have- Yeah, it's almost like the opposite. The least, the least you care, the less you care, the more successful you'll probably be in a certain, in a certain way. Yeah, like the more fun- Right, I mean, you want to be on time- yeah. Yes. And that, that's one of the first, I'm sure, landmark things that you can learn as an actor is, oh, I don't have to. It's not like medical school where you pour it on and it's all day and you you don't eat, you know, and you don't sleep. No, it's almost like you, you have to actually step away and turn it off in order for you to actually be successful. That's why they say real pros are the ones that can turn it off. And the amateur is the one that's always on, always ready. We'll do anything on set. We'll, you know the the constant obsession but but that's an interesting thing that a lot of people uh come to the realize a decade in mm-hmm. yeah. you know don't you think like at the beginning we think oh we've got to pour it on 120,000 percent yeah i think but that's not the case craft what i was i have a tendency to overwork and i think in in for a long time i've been overworking in my acting which results in pushing and acting requires Mm. being able to allow things to happen 
as you both know. So I think, um, you know, everyone experiences one or the other. Like if you look at acting as sending and receiving, there are some people that are better at, send, are at sending and those people will need to learn to receive. And then there's some people who are really good at receiving, but then we have to, they need to learn the other muscle, which is sending. So I think that for me, um, since I've always had like a workaholic mindset, I have always thought, oh, if I just work harder. But then I actually think that was probably um, a detriment to my acting until I kind of figured that out because I've, I was push, I've been pushing, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you guys have said on this podcast, the way you do anything is the way you do everything before. So this happens a lot because with acting, you're, the, you're creating from the clay of your life and your behavioral patterns. So whatever you're doing outside of acting, you're bringing in your acting and they're all interconnected. I think it's instinctual when you're first starting out to go at like 120% because you probably don't have reps on your side to do things for you right. and you feel very alone and it's such an upward battle that there's like no other choice and a lot of people can get burnt out but after a while and after you get more experience you start to chill the hell out and not be so go 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 all the time because i remember living in new york city for a few years for me that it was all there was wasn't interested in and how many experiences did you yeah. lose out on Adam you know stuck in your place waiting for the phone to ring powering out an audition you got to do it. not going on the vacation because ooh the universe sent you an audition the day before you left and then you had to st you know all that crap that all of us know we've all experienced that I just went to Yosemite and boom audition of course why because I made a trip to do something to do something hey, other than I have acting. an audition and I'm or no I sorry I have a trip in a month and now all these breakdowns I'm getting, the window that it is. is We'd like to put you in for it, but you're out of town. I'm so sorry. Well, we're not telling them that yet. I'll move a step further and then you know <laughs> cross that bridge. No, but it's like, I have this trip coming up and now yeah. all the breakdowns for everything that I'm going out for, the window of time has that right in the middle of it. But it's like, you know, yeah. a four week shoot and you're like, Maybe it won't be the week I'm on vacation, but yeah, no, it's true. You, you do miss out on a lot of stuff when you have such a singular mind about something, but it's that, that passion when you're starting out, it's you're fighting for yourself and you don't have a whole lot of people to help you. So it's understandable. But after a while, you know, you look back after a few years and you're like, my God, I was going a little, little too hard and missing out on life, which what you just said is what gives you all that good stuff when you act. Yeah. We need that. Otherwise you don't have any experiences to bring to your acting. So, um, yeah, yeah. Hope you're on that trip. <laughs> oh, I'm going on it. Oh no, no, no. I told my, uh, my manager, he was like, is there any wiggle? I said, no, it is set in stone. It's happening. I'm not canceling or budging any of it. Sorry. And you know what? We wouldn't be able to come to that conclusion to put our our health and our experiences and our life ahead of acting if we didn't get hit before. Like if if all, all three of us never had that those tough moments of like throwing everything in, breaking our back for a fucking no line featured extra role, like some whatever you know that stuff that we just we killed ourselves just for just for a taste on set. You get a little older, you book a little bit you get a little credibility, you, you, things start to not be so new anymore. And we start to begin to value ourselves more, right? As you get older, you start to say, no, no, because I've fallen into that trap before I said, no, I'll do it and not go to the thing. And guess what? I don't book the thing and I lose out on the vacation and not that I need to have a great vacation, but I need a break and I need a, a, a life enhancer. And I'm so sick of losing out. I mean, I just went on vacation for the first time in 10 years. Oh my God. Oh my God. Isn't that disgusting? Oh my God. And I why? Someone actually, um, I am in another like female writers community and we have been doing calls over the last couple of weeks and there was a guest speaker that came on and she also had not taken a break for eight years, eight years. It's been eight years. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. You need a reset you know, button. 
but you have to go through that that to to acknowledge what does work you know and we usually start to get it when you've been in for five ten years you start to get it you know so uh we're getting ahead of ourselves i want to talk about getting through north that's it guys and into your that's it it. bye everybody stop recording um actually if 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 people got nothing if we ended this call right now and that taking breaks rest and self-care is directly related to your success as an actor we could end i would feel complete yeah i feel we had offered something of service to people because that people think if they rest they will their career and their um craft will not progress yeah it's like working out opposite it's like staying in the gym for 20 hours a day every day it's like you keep doing that you're gonna die you need to rest rest it's like time for rest if i leave if i leave the rat race then i'll get left behind which isn't really the case and tommy i remember talking about you talking about this with you so much at the onset of the pandemic when has that ever happened for artists the pandemic was the greatest thing to happen to actors ever I'm, no, I'm serious. That no, was the it was, first time where we were forced to stop. Because financially, we, we financially, it was stop. devastating in certain yeah. ways. It, no, a lot was going on. But what I what I mean is artists across the board, no matter what area you're in, it's go, 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 go. And you never get to be allowed to just stop. And with the pandemic, everything was halted there were no auditions because there was nothing in production there were no shows there was nothing there was nothing and everybody finally got a like i need to take a fucking breath why don't i finish that thing that script that i wanted or start that thing that i always said i was going to do but never did and it's so it'll be so interesting in the years to come to see during the pandemic, what people started and created that, you know, otherwise they just wouldn't have had the time because this thing never stops and it's just go, 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 go. And it gave people a time to just fucking stop and breathe and take time for themselves. So we're forgetting that most of us it's, you know, people feel depleted when they have regular nine to five corporate jobs. We're forgetting that artists they don't have just their uh, their job. They also most artists also have a day job or a, an other hustle, like yep. meaning that either their acting is their side hustle or their side hustle. There's a side hustle that goes with the acting, so they're actually yep. juggling two practices, and two professions, two businesses at the same time. Yeah, um, and we need to start being more honest about that. Like I full on, you know, when I was doing my web series, I was working in real estate full time. My web series, Geek this guide to moving on. Mm. Uh, and I don't I try to hide that because otherwise it's like, you know, people need to understand the full authenticity of how people are making these things happen if they really want to be empowered. So me pretending that I was like, I'm not going to pretend and say like, oh, you know, people ask about that Webster's and I'm like, well, I made it because I had a very supportive side hustle at that property. Shout out to that properties. And <laughs> um, that's how I made the project. And I had a day job. So People are exhausted because they're not just juggling one demanding profession, but they have normally two. And and when there's an actor, I've been doing lights and sound at a theater for years and years and years. And I work at night. And I mean, my boss the other day was like, hey, do you want to pick up this show? And I have not had a day off in so long up until this week. And I was like, no, I need a (laughs) fucking night off. I want to cook dinner. I want to hang out with my boyfriend and my dog, like at dinner time, like I'm always gone at night. I need a fucking night off. I don't want that money that day. So sorry. I need it. And it was like, this is so nice. I think it was Monday or something. I was like, this is amazing. I can't remember the last fucking time I cooked dinner and we like actually watch TV and you don't realize sometimes you really need that. Just it's okay to say no. And you're abandoning control of this thing that you have no control over. And once you realize, um, I'm going to do this stuff for me, I don't know, things start to happen, you know, things start to happen for you. The, you, the universe is a very alive thing that is, is gauging us. And when we, um, it's no coincidence that when we talk to people who say, no, I'm more important than acting and they do things like 
backpack for three months, go home for a month, uh, whatever. And it seems to me that more opportunities come to those people while they're gone or when they come back as this reward for having faith in this this idea that acting is not going to get us to a place of happiness that we've always wanted. It just never will. It just won't. And I've got a list of successful actors who have not gone below six figures ever, and and they are unhappy. They are unhappy, you know, and I've got poor actors that don't book that are happy, you know, so that does not matter to your happiness. But I think as we get older, we just realize what we do value. And, um, and that's part of the genius of, of acting as far as this spiritual progression of, of human, of, of our humanity and how we can grow. I wouldn't have um, noticed my liabilities and acknowledged my assets and grew in the way that I needed to grow. Like you said, sometimes we need to grow in this way because we are good here. Now we're a well-rounded person. Why? Well, because of my acting. My acting forced me to be a well-rounded person. I couldn't sit at a computer all day and drink and not take care of my body and just type away and do all these things for 40 years. Acting is something that it demands for you to be on. It demands for you to be constantly growing if you want to do this, right? So when you were leaving Northwestern, you were getting all your um, ducks in a row to get out. Uh, what were the steps you were taking as you were moving your stuff out and, and heading to back to the city um, to start your professional career? What was it like for you? You hadn't learned all this stuff yet. Was it tough? What were the speed bumps like? What were your steps you took? Um, I, I still wasn't uh, at Northwestern thinking I was going to be an actor. I was a shadow artist. For those of you who have not read Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, I, I highly recommend that book. She talks about, um, everyone should read that book, being a shadow artist. I didn't go to Northwestern thinking, I actually became a theater groupie. I started going to all the plays, all, and, and, I loved going to theater parties if I ever got invited to one. Uh, <laughs> pretty scandalous. <laughs> oh my God. I remember theater parties in college. Holy yeah, shit. I imagine everybody's just giving each other back rubs in a circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah back rubs. Sure. Yes. I was, uh, <laughs> wow. Those were crazy parties. But um, I just left thinking I'm going to be a writer, but I agree with you that the universe is working on your behalf. Like I was ready to go into the journalism world. It was in my senior year that somebody invited me to do a dance show, a dance theater piece. And I still had identified as an, a dancer. So I did the piece. And then this other, um, the person who worked in lighting ended up directing a major student production and wanted me to play the lead because he saw me in that piece. <laughs> and it was hysterical. When I look back on it, they didn't even have me read. I read something as a cold read. I didn't know anything. Then they cast me. The whole rehearsal time, they're like, what do you want? What's your objective? What do you want? I didn't know what the F they're talking about. I'm like, because I didn't have any training or anything. And then all of a sudden, I'm a lead in this play. And then I, oh my God, after that, you know, cause if you, what do you want? Like if you haven't studied acting and you're a journalism student, you're like, what are you talking about? What do I want? Like, I don't know. Anyway, point is yeah. that, that really, that was jitter. It was called jitter perfume. And that had, I got the bite and I was like, oh my God, this is so fun. I want to do this. So long story short, then I said, I'm going to do a summer training program and I, in New York, I told my mom, I'm going to New York to study acting. She said, everybody wants to be a movie star. Like, that's what, like, she was, like, thinking, what do you mean you want to be a movie thinking they want to be a movie star. I'm like, I want to be a movie star. I actually never, I'm like, I want to just, like, I grew up in the theater doing dance. And then I went to college seeing people doing theater. I've never had TV and film in my mind. I just wanted to go to New York and do play, be in the theater. So point is, went to New York and then just stayed there, saw that everybody had an MFA on Broadway. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to get an MFA. I went to ACT. And then when I- American, uh, ACT, American, what is it? It's called the American Conservatory Theater. And um, I, you know, studied classical theater, got my MFA in acting. And then when I graduated- Holy um, shit. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. It was a beautiful experience. Our, our director, actually, Melissa Smith, she was in Nomad Land, Nomad 
Land this year. Oh, love that film. I, I have to see that film. I haven't seen it yet. It's amazing. Like you said, I need like a break where I just watch films and <laughs> TV. But point is, um, then I moved to LA, and um, and LA I, that was a strange decision. I'm curious to hear your thoughts for you guys that are in different cities and experience different cities. I I don't I just I don't know why I chose LA after I'd come from New York. Um, why Why didn't you stay in New York to do theater with your MFA? Um, I think I had in my head that uh, someone had told me that most of the work was musical theater. Um, I think that like TV started to get a little bit more different. I, I yeah. What, what year are we in? What? This, this is like 2006. I graduated from ACT. So basically. Like, oh, like, TV like, and film hadn't like exploded here yeah. yet. Oh, like it Grey's is now. Had come out. Grey's Anatomy was a little bit more diverse. I loved watching Grey's Anatomy. I can't tell you why I thought to go to LA and not New York. Cause I actually love New York as a city much more. Um, I just know that everything has been guided by my intuition. I was just going to ask if it was just your intuition that was telling you. Oh, going to New York, sell other was intuition. Going to uh, LA was intuition, but I have had my intuition be injured quite a bit um, in the last few years because I went through a traumatic experience that made me doubt myself. Mm. So I do agree with where I think you're going, which is intuition is such as your strongest guide as an actor. So for all the people that are listening, you know, I don't, I, I think that that is guiding you. Like it doesn't, and actually it doesn't really matter if I've gone to LA or New York, it doesn't matter. You're still going to end up wherever you're meant to be. <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to have those five or four credits or whatever in LA. You're going to have the five or four credits in New York. You're going to have the five or four credits in Chicago. Actually, when people say, should I go here? Should I go there? I don't know what to do. It's like, it doesn't matter. Because if you go to New York, you're going to book Bull and Maisel. You go to LA, you're going to book CSI and this, whatever. You're going to go to Chicago, you're going to book these things. It doesn't really matter. But what does matter is if you have something that's speaking to you to follow it. And that's what we do. I mean, I'm a film actor. I'm, I went to New York after Chicago instead of LA. Why? Because I, I had that in my heart. It was just telling me, and you know, it was the best decision. And now I'm in LA and I don't have to wonder. I wonder if I could have done it in New York because I already did. You know, and so, so your intuition, I can already tell you're very, the, the channels are clear with you when they say clear your channels, it's that, that sort of clarity that you get, um, that allows your intuition instead of a whisper to be more like a megaphone. And okay. some people don't have it. Some people have it a little bit and some people it's screaming. Uh, it sounds like for you, you're pretty consistent with your relationship between you and, and the inner puja that is guiding you i believe that spirituality you mentioned faith earlier i think that spirituality is deeply connected to creativity and is deeply connected to your intuition so for me i always grew up with a very spiritual family maybe that was somewhere where i had it and i've cultivated more over the last couple years and the more I deepen my relationship to my faith and my spirituality, the yeah. more I find clarity and these decisions around career and creativity are become easier to make. Couldn't agree more. And it has nothing to do with organized anything. It, it is simply just this intimate relationship between you and, and whatever it is out there. And I, you know, I just, I've tried to deny it so many times, but when you're in a creative world and you are operating under the muse and you have moments on stage or on set that are simply out of body and indescribable <laughs> yeah. truly and i mean i won't apologize ever anymore for that i won't stand in front of that at all because it is something that has fueled <laughs> fueled me through the darkest of this journey the darkest times you know and it's it's that taste of like that thing that humans always want and it is the muse. It's the feeling of connection. It's the feeling that there's something happening here that's electric. And I don't know what it is. I don't even have a name for it, but it's here and I feel it. And there's no better place to feel it than when you're creating. Because like you said, there, uh, there's something spiritual and magnetic about creating something. There's no coincidence that when we create great things, great things happen and emotions and connection and all this wonderful the wonderful parts of life come from this stuff. And um, so I can tell that you've experienced that. Um, in terms of things kind of 
being tough in LA, I'm sure that was kind of a jolt um, getting thrown to LA. I mean, it's one thing for me to come to LA from New York and then Chicago. It's quite another for you fresh out of the acting class. Yeah, LA was tough now that you think about it. Um, I never thought about it until you just said that. But uh, I think that, um, I think, I don't know. I, I don't, I think everything's a reflection of yourself. So it's like, if, 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 if I think if I go back to LA now, I think I would probably find it easier. But like, I think my experience was a ref- reflection of myself. You know, mm. like, I think that, I think I have had um, hot mess moments, you know, when I was there and the hot mess was being reflected back to me in my um, work. Uh, Yeah, I don't I don't think it will be like that if and when I go back. Um, And just to complete the story, I ended up coming back to Chicago for two reasons. Um, And this is what is so beautiful about your podcast and um, that you teach actors as well, I know, um, is I had a mentor advise me or support me in moving back to Chicago. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to move back to be closer to my family. And so to go back to that whole thing of like, what do you really want in your life? And when you need a vacation and I wanted to, um, create a web series and I thought it would be easier to do in my hometown. So LA was tough, but I don't blame LA. I blame myself. Right. Not not that not that we should actually blame is probably a harsh word. I take responsibility that my experience there was tough, but it, it's my own responsibility. I'm probably, I probably I I had an active role in co-creating that whatever I experienced there. A lot of great things happened there as well, and um, I love California. I just love the way people in California think. So I'm so appreciative as a Midwesterner that comes, I know, you know, you lived here, there tends to be a lot more traditional mindedness here that I think I found like in California, very liberating because there's a lot of just like general acceptance for many ways of approaching life in Los Angeles. That was something I, I think I was yearning to experience. Working actors deserve affordable and convenient coaching. That's why we created Book It. America's fastest growing one-on-one remote acting coach service. All from your device. We're not just coaches, we're working actors too. From Broadway and voiceover animation to TV, film, and commercial. Real actor coaching from real actors. Catered especially to you and your path. Anytime, anywhere. We're here to train you, to guide you, to prepare you, to book it. For more information, visit workingactorpro.com slash book it. You mentioned mentor, you know, um, actors think that they can do it themselves. And we've talked about getting some sort of mentor. It's why we, we started everything here was our chance to like mentor people because too many actors are, they just, they're in the dark. They're in the dark when they leave acting school. They're in the dark 10 years later when they're in a drought, they're just in the dark about how to go about doing this, how to successfully sustain yourself and not just survive, but thrive. And um, so getting a mentor is so, so, so important. Um, so how did you get yours? Who was it? How did you come across them? And what did they do for you? Okay, so my mentor was a spiritual mentor. Um, uh, he, his name was da, is Dada J.P. Baswani. He was a contemporary. To- He's an Irish guy, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, he has the heart of many uh, global <laughs> citizens, let me put it that way. And he was a, a, a contemporary to the Dalai Lama, a man uh, that stood for the values of service, compassion, kindness, empathy. And so uh, Dada, what, how he came into my life is actually, I guess when the student is ready, the teacher appears, the mm-hmm. in the Guru appears, which is the same thing. Guru means teacher. And um, he he was, um, we were his host family. He came into my mother's life. And when I was in high school, he started staying in our home when he would give speeches in Chicago. So I Wow. And where was he speaking in Chicago? Big, big. He, um, where did he speak? He spoke, like, I remember speaking him speaking at Hario Mandar, which is a temple in Medina, Illinois. I remember him speaking at Chinmay Mission, which is a, a spiritual center in Berlin. Oh, wow, that's great. 
Yeah. So, so he crashed with you guys. Yeah. And, but in New York, he would, he would talk, speak to thousands of people at town hall in Manhattan and, 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 uh, Krishna Das, the Grammy award-winning, uh, musician mm-hmm. had introduced him and his music is amazing. But what, uh, what I learned from him, even though he was a spiritual mentor or maybe because right, he is, was also a artist. He's a published writer. He has over a t- hundred titles to his publishing house, which is he self publishes under Gita publishing house. So I actually had a mentor that was very like, do it yourself, right? Self publishing is pretty much the same as self producing. And I was a writer and he was a writer and I was acting, but I feel like he understood it's all related. So he, um, I think I just told him my, my sister was having a baby and I said, I feel like I, I really want to watch my niece grow up. And um, I feel like if I stay here in LA now, I'm going to be here forever. Or I could move now and watch my niece grow up. And also I want to do this web series. And he just told me to come to Chicago. The thing is, when you ask mentors for something, the way I've been raised, and I don't know if this is like Eastern, is that when we go to, this is probably Eastern. When you go to your elders or a mentor, and you ask them something, then you actually should, we've been taught, then you should follow it. Because otherwise, why did you ask? Right? So, right? If you're not going to listen, then then you don't need a mentor. You don't need a teacher. You don't. So, so I had been told that if you ask that question, be prepared for the answer and to take the direction. So then, of course, I freaked out the minute he said, you should go to Chicago. I was like, oh, my God, like I've been here. My whole life is here. He said, just do it for six months and see how you like it. You can always move back. Nothing has to be permanent. Mm. So I did. And it was awesome. Like I felt like I felt a lot of things happened. And what I think I'd like to share with the people here um, mm-hmm. is that it helped me tune into my own voice. I think that is one of the biggest things I benefited from. In LA, there's a lot of people telling you what to do, what your career should be. At least that was my experience. I, I felt like a lot of people were like, "You should do this. You're you're you you should be on this show. You're you're a comedy person. No, you're a drama person. No, you're this person." And it's like, at a certain point, like it's in, what what being an artist requires is being knowing yourself, finding and, your voice, and and getting in touch with your own self exactly yeah especially if you're a writer director especially if you're a writer director you and even as an actor how are you going to pick your projects if you don't know yourself you know people want to be at a place where they're reading scripts and they're choosing and what they're working on but if you don't know yourself you'll just work on anything you know so um and you won't have a vision to your uh work and he also taught me that our work is our greatest service to humanity this is our offering to the world. And so mm. I, I, I feel grateful. He, you know, guided me in this way. So I think that is what I kind of have learned being here. Wow. Your work is your service to the world. You know, I've heard, um, when actors are struggling, the minute that they start to change, what I did was I changed my perspective of what I was doing. I'm not on a red carpet. I'm not in, I'm not a lead. I'm not in this movie. I'm not, that's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is I'm giving, I'm offering what is gifted to me, which is my abilities. And in that way, I'm gifting myself into this story so that story could arouse emotion and that emotion can arouse change, whatever that is. You know, it's not about me booking anymore. It's about me giving the opportunity now to to tell the story in the way that I can with the gifts that I was given. When you do that, you stop thinking about, oh, why didn't I get that? Oh, I'm so glad that I got this. And now I'm going to work really hard and getting this because of the red carpet and then Instagram and all this crap. You start to make a mess of everything. And when you get out of yourself and you do it in service, the offering, and that's no better way than when you're on a film set and you're seeing everybody pull together, offering their service for the greater good of whatever this is. Um, you, you get out of yourself. And when we get out of ourselves, we make things way easier. Things are smoother. It's not about me anymore. It's about us. It's about what I'm giving. And when we're giving, we're selfless. When we're selfless, we're growing. Yes. He was, Dada was always about, is about selfless service. Mm. So I love that you use that word selfless. And um, yeah, I think that 
I, I think that that is a beautiful thing. It's, it's the way that we all, every, every person has a role in a creative project was a, whether it's an actor or a costume person, they're leaving their handprints on the project and collectively that story then becomes an offering in service to humanity. And mm. this, we, we, we are, have such a beautiful opportunity as artists. So what we're able to do, especially like in the times we live in, you know, this is the stories are, there's never been, a t- I, I don't want to compare, but stories are so powerful right now. Everyone's at home watching them and we're holding space, you know, we're holding, we're, we're, we're offering joy. I think laughter is the best medicine. I think comedy is really underrated in terms of um, the way it's perceived that it's kind of like, I hear a lot like comedies, like, you know, not as highbrow as like doing Oscar winning movie or something, but it's like (laughs) comedy is bringing laughter to people. Like laughter is so healing and stories can be so healing to people so this and to is, get it right is very hard to get yeah. right to get caught com- yeah to get comedy right is very very hard and and so even if you have one line on this thing or you have no lines you can you are contributing to that just even energetically if you say that one line and you're like oh that sucks. I should be the lead. I need to be paid more. I don't, it's like mm. you're bringing that energy to the whole project. So it's better to just don't do the project. But if you're going to have that one line, you know, show up and, and contribute it because that way collectively the whole project, I'm sure you guys have all seen this. Like think about the projects that have just gone off and like had a life of its own. It's because everyone in the team, it's, a, this is a team sport. So, you know, that's kind of like what I feel like there's a lot of, um, uh, opportunity if people can look at this way that they're being in service to humanity when they're being in service to the story. Mm. Wow. I love that we're talking about big stuff today. We're not talking about uh, accomplishments and, and all the, the glitzy glamour stuff of, of acting. We're talking about the nitty gritty, like what you need to get through. And it's it's in here. It's big, big inner work that's that's happening. It's not, it's not about getting the role. Um, and I love that we're t- touching on it. What I do want to touch on before we um, we let you go is you mentioned your um, your involvement in independent work right stuff that you've uh, made yourself you you're recognized for uh, your digital media work um, in comedy sketches shit white girls say to Indian girls to Ashton Kutcher love Kimmy Patel and your recurring roles in the web series debt collectors and uh, the ladies discourse so how um, quickly how important is it to, to create your own work and, and how once it started like things taking off a life of their own, did you experience that when it was just about the work and it was just about the creating and how things just came together? How did that look for you? And what was the importance of, of um, independently creating your own work? That, that is where my heart is because that creating my own work is, um, started from a scarcity mindset, probably because I felt that I wasn't um, having the opportunities as an actor that I wanted. Um, Which is a blessing in disguise. You don't get the roles, you don't get the auditions, you create something and then exactly. it takes off in a life of its own and then you're a better actress because of it. So, right. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, that's such a beautiful way to look at it. That's how we should look at everything is that everything is a gift. So the gift was that I wasn't getting, you know, after having spent three years in graduate school to study acting and you feel like you're coming out, you know, playing Antigone and like Shakespeare Mm -hmm. and then you come out and you're like, I know I can be, it's not an ego thing. It's more like I am not operating at my full potential here. and. And when we don't operate our full potential, then we're not being in service to the greater good. And so I, but I had this, it was more probably that, oh, I'm not getting the rules I want. I'm going to make something. And I think that to answer your question, it then, as you st- I started doing it, then I fell in love with the process because it integrated everything I love. Creating your own work, whether it's a one-woman show, a web series, which I've done um, a web series as well, short films. I can't wait to direct a feature. I've written features, but I haven't gotten a direct one yet. Wow. Um, is is 
integrating everything that I love. It integrates music, writing, film, acting. It's like, I don't know why I didn't figure it out earlier that like, I didn't have to drop writing to become an actor, which is how I was operating from. So it's multidisciplinary, multi-hyphenate. And to answer your question, yes, what I have discovered is in creating my own work, which to all the actors here, anyone who has an inclination towards any kind of storytelling beyond being in front of the camera, um, no one's saying you can't act, but if you feel some inclination of telling story, which I feel most actors do beyond just acting, that to empower yourself to do that and create your own work because you get to drive the narrative, you get to contribute to the conversations of what are going on in this world, offering your point of view. And yeah, I've noticed every time I've created my own work, it did take on a life of its own. All the people that have kind of come into um, my experience, I never went out. I, I actually don't even have representation right now as a writer or cre- creator at all, but I keep having opportunities come my way, which I feel grateful for because I do think that it has a life of its own. And the reason I think that is, is because when you start doing that, like the world needs those stories. Mm-hmm. So it's like all of consciousness and the like the whole world and universe starts going like we need that story in the world we're going to give you the help to get it to where it needs to go have you experienced that adam am i sounding like total woo-woo here oh no i was waiting till you were done to say i agree wholeheartedly with everything that you're saying in the last two years i've made two short films that i wrote and directed i was the first one i was in for myself just to put myself into something. Um, but no, it, it is that convergence of so many things that I love, 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 love. I've been a huge cinephile my whole life. I was the kid who like had uh, would go to Barnes and Noble and buy all the making of books to all my favorite films and listen to the DVD commentaries about how right. they made it. You know, all that shit. I was obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with film music easily triple everything else that's in my itunes library the majority of it is film scores i love it so to make my own work and to integrate cinematography that i love and music and like all parts of your brain adam all parts of your brain are being stimulated with what yeah and it's something that you get to be the captain of the ship and it reflects your um your taste level and what you like and you know to work i love collaborating so when i go to on this last film our dp ben and be like this is what i like this is how i want it to look and giving reference stuff and being like i can't wait for my film to look like that will be fucking awesome and he goes i know exactly how we're gonna do it what about this idea and then a few weeks go by and you're like i have a few more ideas and then working with the um music and creating a score to punch up what actors are already doing. It's my, it's my favorite. I love directing, love, love, love directing. I agree with you on all of that. It's, uh, it's, it's not enough when you are making your own work just to say, Oh, I'm directing something you're fucking producing. You're sailing the, the ship in terms of where, what kind of score you're going to use, what it's going to look like, the style of it, all of it. You're doing so much. And I, I love it. It's mm. nerve wracking as fuck. <laughs> it is. It takes a lot out of you. Think of, you think of if you didn't do it, Adam, <laughs> think of two years ago when you had this, you know, or, or, or you Pooja, what if you didn't, put pen to paper and how, how many things just wouldn't have happened, you know, and we are scared. We're always scared of things, but with the difference between people who do things and not do things is we don't, we do it in spite of the fear, mm-hmm. you know, and we know we trust the process, which is faith yeah. that everything's going to be okay, that, that you're going to get this DP and this actor will come and then the festival stuff. And then somebody writes an article and, oh my God, we've got something that has legs. How did it happen so organically and effortlessly? I don't know, but it always does. If you have something good, it's going to get seen. It's going to get made, If you, but you have to bring the shovel. You know, the mountain will move, but you got to bring the shovel and start digging, right? So before My we- second film ahead, was exactly a year after the first one, and I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this again. 
Oh my God, you're fucking the fucking stress of this. I'm doing this again this quickly. And you know, we're all I'm so fucking proud of it. And I'm I'm so happy we did it. It's and in the middle of a pandemic, you know, I could say I created something in the middle of you know a worldwide shutdown nothingness and yeah. it's great to have something going on too and like you were saying multi-hyphenate you know what i mean it just it adds to your portfolio of what you can say i can do and have done it is amazing that you made something in the pandemic like i i i can't even imagine that that's a whole separate other podcast that i would love to learn more about how you did that i do want to say too before because i we wrap up that it is that people that are listening should not just measure success. Uh, There are many ways to measure success. And one of the most gratifying things is, you know, when people come to you, like I did a short film that I think, you know, Lane Marie Williams, she had a festival, you know her from Chicago. I love her. Um, She invited me to this festival at Stevenson High School, Odyssey Film Festival. And, you know, I just said, okay, let's go do it. Elaine Marie, I love working with you. Let's go screen this at the high school. I had never been screened anywhere. So at the end of the, first of all, high school students are the best audience. You will always get an honest response. Uh. <laughs> and it was all about a woman in her 60s. Um, this boy, he was maybe a freshman, 14 years old. He came to me all um, weepy and he just said, thank you so much. I recently lost my grandmother and this really, really helped me let her go. Wow. And I just was like, and that also happened to me once I did my solo show in a living room. I'm all about divey spaces. Uh, like just use what you have. Okay. Mm. Don't like, you don't need to be at like Carnegie Hall tomorrow or what Broadway tomorrow. Like just right. use your living room, do your show in your friend's basement, you know, your mom's basement. I used, I put my mom in my web series because I didn't have anybody else. Hamilton started in a windowless place with 25 people. You I know? love that. And one, so when I was in LA, this is what I was doing, living room readings of my solo show. And one day, one girl, and I, every every time I did it, a woman would come up to me. It, it talks about uh, an abusive relationship. I know that's kind of dark, but I did it, I think, in a relatively funny way. Um, <laughs> and and uh, as far as abuse can go. And she, every time I did the show, a woman would come up to me or someone would come up to me, male, man or woman, that I have in a relationship like that. Then I thought, oh my God, I have to keep doing this. If everybody keeps saying this every time I do it, in order for this to stop, I guess I have to keep doing the show because I want to keep do it until one day some, no, I want to do it until no one is able to tell me they've ever been in a relationship like that. Mm. And one time one girl said, thank you so much for doing this in the living room today. Uh, I am in a relationship like this or, and I'm going to leave it. And, um, I, so you don't, don't just measure how many hits I got on YouTube measure in these ways that there's an impact. If you even impact or uplift or help one person, you are, you are doing the work that you are meant to be doing as an artist. It's important work. That's the service. Absolutely. Now we haven't touched a lot on the major accomplishments in your career, but I do want to um, touch very, very quickly before we let you go, you know, Chicago med, you've got this upcoming Netflix show, the Lincoln lawyer, you've been on some huge shows recurring. You, you have done so much. Um, talk very quickly, if you could about the bigger things coming your way. And how those things kind of crossed your path in the in the time that it did was it was it um, were there speed bumps and and getting in the rooms and not getting the carrot? What happened when things did start going your way? I think for everything, any credit you see, I've had thousands of failures. Uh, no kidding. Uh, so it doesn't matter what you anyone sees on IMDb because there's hundreds and thousands of times where someone rejected me and said, how many auditions do you think you went on Pooja? How many auditions do you think you've gone on a thousand? I know that, um, you know, I know that people in my, in my, there have been people in my circle that are like, how long are you going to keep doing this? And why are you still doing this? And, um, (sighs) and I, and and inner circle. Okay. And, um, well, dad, uh, not my dad, but, um, (laughs) And 
I don't know. I, I, so I only say that because I want the people to know yeah, that's part of it. And that's actually not rejection. Thank God. I finally understand that's redirection because like, if I had kept, gotten all those parts and I would never have made, discovered, you know, writing, creating and producing and directing. And I love being a hyphenate and I never would have been a hyphenate if I hadn't been successful at acting immediately and um, so I think that that's, I hope that answers the question. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's basically it. Lots and lots of failure. Well, if you keep going, eventually you'll have almost a couple oh. of here and there. Um, and then just to finish the question, basically what I'm doing now is um, the biggest thing in my life right now, my biggest priority are my writing projects and um, adapting my web series, Geek This Guide to Moving On um into a tv series and that project is called welcome to shakti and i wouldn't say it's an actually adaptation but it's a sequel i guess i don't know how i would what word i would use out but that's my priority is i want to be creating shows for tv and um and i want to be producing and directing and writing films and i i love acting i'll continue to do it but I want to give all of the people listening a job. Um, so if you are listening to this, send me your reel. Tell me what you're working on. I want to get to know you and hopefully we can collaborate. And how can people get a hold of you? Instagram is the best Instagram. Way. What's your hand? Yeah. Say it again. I'm sorry. At Pooja Mohindra. Yeah, is the Done. best. Way. I have a website, PoojaMohindraOfficial.com. Yeah, you want to see a good actor's website? Go to PoojaMohindra.com. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so well done. Um, and anybody who wants to learn to write, create projects um, and take an idea and build it out, I, I'm teaching that. I'm teaching writing and acting and all of that information on my website. But I really just want to like nurture other artists um, and take all my failure <laughs> and mistakes right. and uh, give someone else an easier path so that they can um, you know, be able to be in their full potential as an artist. Which is why Pooja just might be coming on to our um, coaches roster. So if any of you are um, wanting to connect with Pooja on a professional level um, where she can guide you and <laughs> disclose everything that she did wrong so you don't, uh, so you don't do it too, um, then, then reach out to us. Um, Pooja is going to uh, be a coach here on uh, workingactorpro.com. So um, Pooja, I, you know, you're, the language that you speak, I truly get it and i'm from a from an alternate spiritual pursuit but it is all the same uh you know same water different well and i i understand the language that you're speaking the very very like intimate spiritual awareness of what we're really doing what's really happening here you know um so i truly appreciate you being here it was such a wave of fresh air just having your insights and um, it was exactly what i was hoping it'd be so thank you thank, thank you. you so much for joining us Awesome. Can't wait to see you guys and, and collaborate in the future. I yeah, know. we can't Absolutely. wait to see what's what's up with you coming up in the future. I mean, you've done so much. So, so excited and so happy for everything that you've done. Thank you for having me. Bye, Pooja. Bye. Take care. See you. Bye-bye. So lovely. I mean, yeah, it, she really does have it down. And it's not about the credits. It's not about IMDb. It's, it's, it, it's so much deeper than that, man. And whether we've realized it or not, you do this for 10 years, you have a thousand auditions, you're going to adapt and find out what works. And what works for us is get out yeah. of your head. This is not going to make you happy. Live life and live your experiences and don't wait by the phone. Um, and a million other things that you learn on your way. Luckily, we're able to tell you this. <laughs> But it is something that is learned through so much trial, error, failure, and falling. You know, um, yeah. It it's uh, that was that was really really great. And you know, the the working on your own stuff is such an important thing. A lot of people are afraid to do it. But once you do it, you see how possible it is. I mean, Adam, you know that. Yeah, it is scary, um, but it's <laughs> you know, it's just like like so many things. I think you. It's scary because you're looking all looking at everything at once as one big clump when in reality one big mountain. Yeah. Yeah. It is step by step, day by day, week by week, month by month. And at the end of it, yes, you've done this thing, but you know, it does take a while to get there. And it's not as scary when you're taking the one step at a time. But when you look at no. it, you know, 
from the perspective of holy shit, it's this thing. It's like, oh, it's it is terrifying. But but it vets it vets out the people who are there for the wrong reasons. I mean, you were there for the creativity, the artistic fulfillment, the professional advancement, all that stuff, and the the speed bumps and the mountain, the scary, scary thing in front of you. You barreled through, and most people will look at it, turn around, and say, I- "I'm going to go on this hill here instead of this yeah. giant mountain." But you know, you had the audacity to say, "Let's do it. Grab me a yeah. rope, put on yeah. your little heels, and." <laughs> Trek that they're mountain, not baby. Heels. <laughs> they're big. They're big. You have big feet. You're right. Big, big heels. Um, okay, Alrighty, well, everybody. You can find out more about Before the Break and how to become a working actor at workingactorpro.com. Follow us on Instagram at Before the Break Pod and Working Actor Pro. You can check out my stuff at adamdecarlo.com. Follow me at that Adam DeCarlo. Check out Tommy's stuff at tommybeardmore.com and follow him at Tommy Beyond. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a rating, and write a review if you like what you hear. Check back next week for an all-new episode with an all-new guest. All right, Tommy, you have a right. you have a good weekend. I will. I will. You as well. Say hi to Patrick and give my love to Bentley and and I love Be you. Sleeping. I love you too. <laughs> hi to the hi to the puppers and to Natasha for me. Indeed. And thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. You've been listening to Before the Break. The hosts are Tommy Beardmore and Adam DiCarlo. Cover art by Amanda June Boucher. Music by Benjamin Sterley. Before the Break is recorded live from Los Angeles and New York City.